This is episode number 212, What is Authentic Leadership? with Jess Shurarev. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming event called Survive to Thrive Attitude of Gratitude. This is a two-weekend experience where we'll be exploring the concepts of different ways to develop resilience with gratitude, grieving with gratitude, and ultimately exploring the whole mindset behind what it means to be grateful and what life looks like without this larger concept of being grateful. If you would like to more details about these upcoming experiences, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the full agenda as well as all of the speakers and facilitators who will be taking part of this particular experience. The second announcement that I would like to make is this. If you enjoyed any of the previous episodes or if this is your first time tuning in and you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Hello. Jess, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am well. I'm well. I'm glad that we're able to connect. And I know that we haven't connected actually since uh, since I w- went on my trip to Arizona. Now we haven't. Um, yeah, I went, I went there for my birthday and hiked the Grand Canyon. And it, it was, uh, Wow. That's the best way I could put it to you. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? I, was, I haven't been there in years, but I had the opportunity to go to the Grand Canyon. Um, we had a sales conference nearby, and my husband and I went, and it's gorgeous. I'm a little yeah. jealous. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was an interesting experience because it reaffirmed a lot of the thoughts like about myself that I've had at the top and at the bottom. The uh, common thought was that it made me think of who are the most important people in your life. And so I just like picked up the phone and just started calling and texting people from there. It's pretty overwhelming, like emotionally, but I think maybe to a degree, it was just such a such an experience to be able to look down and a not conceptualize the height by any means, but just look into the distance and you, know, you actually hike down there. And then the thought I was like, wow, I'm gonna have to hike back up. Like this is. <laughs> I thought I was done. <laughs> You're like, oh, yes. I thought there was like a lift from here that goes. <laughs> Where's the helicopter? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm glad that we're able to connect now. I know that the topic you and I wanted to talk about was this concept of leadership, authentic leadership to begin with. Maybe the best way to start this off is to approach it through the lens of what does authentic leadership even mean to you personally, professionally, and whatever other degree. Yeah, I think it's a really, really good question. And I want to start by saying that I I truly believe that all of us are leaders in some form or another. And, you know, you don't need to be like managing a team in order to be leading. Um, and I think that if you are human, you are a leader. It's just a matter of if you're willing to step into that leadership role within your life or not. And I say that because for me, um, that was something that took me a long time to sort of wrap my head around. Um, You know, I often, when I think about, you know, my career from a personal perspective, I was at my last company for 13 and a half years. In the last five years, I was, I was leading a fairly large sales team and organization. And, and, you know, people would say to me, like, you're such an, an authentic leader. And in, some ways that was true. And, um, you know, I think that it, it was something that I really valued. And, but then I thought about like all of the different times in my life, even when I wasn't managing people, that people said the same thing to me. And, you know, I just think it's important to 
the word leader, I think, can be triggering to some people because it's like, oh, I haven't, you know, I'm not managing people. It doesn't matter if you are human, there is somebody, even if it's just yourself, that is looking up to you um, to lead them and to to guide them and to help them get from one point to the next point. And so to me, this is a very long-winded way of answering your question, <laughs> but, um, I think it's important because to me, authentic leadership is, is really looking inside and saying, what is important to me and how do I bring the skills that are um, innate to me, but also can create a space where everybody within like my circle can also feel like they're bringing their true self to work and tour and to like, or life every day. And it's not easy. And there are going to be some days that, you know, it's, it's really easy. And there's going to be some days that it's really hard. Um, And I'm happy to chat about, you know, the lessons that I've learned along the way mm-hmm. um, and how I've screwed up because I definitely have. Um, but I think for me, you know, authentic leadership is when you're leading with heart, when you are really understanding where the other person is coming from um, and they're understanding where you're coming from and you're mutually moving towards a common goal. Was there anyone in particular that helped you see that? That's a really good question. You know, like I said, I was at my last company for 13 and a half years and um, I had over 20 managers during during that time. And, you know, there were some really good leaders and then there were some not so good leaders. And so I don't think that there's one person in particular that like stands out as the person who taught me that. I think it was, and this is sort of how I live my life generally. I tend to like, you know, do something and I'm like, okay, like, what did I like about this? What didn't I like about that? And it's the same thing in terms of like people that I've worked with or um, people that I've come across. It's what are the things that I can pick up from them that I really admire, that I really um, hold true to my heart? And then what what doesn't feel good? Okay, like, we'll leave that there. That works for them, but it doesn't necessarily work for me. And so I've been really fortunate to have that in many aspects of my life, I think about, you know, my mom, who is someone who my family on my mom's side came over from, from Italy, um, you know, before the depression, my grandfather was in world war II. He had a very, um, limited view on, on the world. And it shaped a lot of the ways he thought about things. One of them being that women shouldn't be educated Mm. and, Um, my mom decided, you know, and he had three daughters, (laughs) fun fact. And so, um, you know, my mom just didn't really believe in that. And so she paid for her undergraduate education. She went on and got her master's um, in education. And, you know, she did that while she had me and my, my middle sister. But, you know, I remember there's a picture of her in her cap and gown. And my, my sister is, is a toddler. And, you know, so I, I share this because it's not just one person. There's like been lots of influences in my life that have taught me um, to to take different pieces of like what has worked for them and make it work for me. What role has Google played in your life? I mean, Google's played a huge role in my life. I was there for 13 and a half years. In many ways, I say that I grew up at Google. It was that was, the only company that you ever worked at? For, for all intents and purposes, it was it was like my first real job out of school. You know, I'd worked for um, a PR company and healthcare uh, company for a year um, while I was going to school full-time um, be, and working there full-time. And so, uh, but yeah, Google was, was my like first real job. And it was a huge part of my life and it was a huge, and it still is a huge part of my identity. And, you know, I am five weeks, we were talking about this before we hit record. I'm five weeks post taking the leap of deciding to leave my corporate job in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> no, no better time to do it. <laughs> no time to do it. And you know, there was, and I'm happy to go into the reasons why, mm-hmm. but you know, there was lots of reasons why, but you know, it was, it's a huge part of, of who I am and how I grew up and the way that I view the world, but also how I view leadership. So this might be a loaded question, but for those of us that haven't worked 
at Google before. What does it mean to be a Googler? And I, you by know, the way, I just stole that question directly from that movie. <laughs> you know, I can only answer for myself, right? right? I, I can't answer for anybody else. I, I will say that the fact that I stayed at the company for 13 and a half years shows something, right? I, I guess technically I'm a millennial. I'm, I'm like dependent on the way that you, which data site you're looking at. I'm on like the very cusp of it. And so when you look at that generation, typically people are switching jobs every two two years. I'm mm -hmm. literally of my friends that I graduated with in college, of my friends that I grew up with. I am the only person I know that like stayed at a company as long as they did. And to me, you know, being a Googler meant that I was learning and growing every day. You know, there were definitely parts of the job that I didn't love, but that's it is a job, right? Like mm -hmm. so many of my friends were like, but you get free lunch. And I'm like, yes, I get free lunch, but it's also a job. <laughs> and, um, and so, but I would never have stayed for as long as I did if I didn't feel like I was not learning and growing. And quite candidly, the people there, you know, people always say that like those who you surround yourself with are, you know, the best thing that you can do for me that was so true at google um i miss it i i very much like that is like i knew i would miss it and i do miss it that feeling that you get when you're logging into a meeting and knowing that you're going to be able to challenge people in a way that is um productive and also reciprocated so you know any idea that you brought to the table you know it was 360 degrees of feedback every day, all day. Mm -hmm. And it worked for some people and some people didn't work. I was one of those people that it, that it worked for. And so, you know, it was, it was a, an amazing experience. And I often think I almost didn't take the job. I will never forget this moment. I got the, I got the offer. And I was in an elevator and I was on the phone with my dad and I was like, I don't think I'm going to take it. Like I have to move to Ann Arbor. I don't, I literally at that point didn't actually even know where Ann Arbor, Michigan was, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is very embarrassing to admit now. But um, I was like, they do this thing with their hand where they like point to like where they <laughs> are. Where yeah. Is. Yes, that's and, a <laughs> And so, and my dad was just like, you don't turn Google down. And I was like, no, I think I might. And I'm so grateful that I didn't because it really has taught me so many valuable lessons. And I met my husband there. So, you know. <laughs> That's amazing. There are two people that have joined that I actually, one of them I look up to for sure because I know her, uh, Lachelle Atkins. I don't know if you've met her. She was part of the uh, parenting event that we've hosted, but she just, you know, an exceptional leader like in my life and always helps me expand and challenge my own perspective. The other person, his name is David, who had joined us. He had said a heart-based leadership culture is essential as his trust and showing vulnerability. Yeah. How much, how much would you say that plays a role in, in creating like a successful leadership culture? It's huge. It's completely huge. Um, listen, I think there's a buzzword in in corporate America right now of like psychological safety, and you know, mm -hmm. did an entire study around it. And it's it is a buzzword, but it also is like vastly true. Like if you want to create a culture that is open and transparent and honest, and that you can actually give you know feedback in a way that is productive and have feedback given to you to me you as a leader it starts with you and so um you know for me i had to learn that lesson time and time again but you know a good tangible example is when i um went through for those of you who don't know some of my backstory i'm a a mom now, but I went through a whole journey to becoming a mom and I went through infertility and a loss of a child and um, I didn't deal with it and I didn't talk about it at work. And I had this moment one day where I was like staring at myself in the L, which is the subway here in Chicago. And I realized that no one by looking at me would like know what the heck I had just gone through. And I didn't know what anyone else on the train had gone through either, right? Like we mm. all walk around with 
all day. And it was my aha around, you know, I can never judge somebody based on like how they're reacting to something because you never know what's going on, right? Like we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. and so when I, you know, when I would have offsites, we call them offsites at Google, basically like team gatherings um, every quarter. And I remember starting off um, one of those sessions, sharing a little bit about my own journey and, and tying it to that realization of, listen, we're all going to come into work with like baggage. <laughs> like I never really believed in work-life balance and I for sure don't believe it with COVID, but <laughs> You know, and it was just that mutual understanding of like, I try really hard not to judge someone based on like how they're reacting and really try to go that level deeper because that was, that would be how I would want to be um, reacted to. And so I use that as an example because it's, to me, it starts with you and what you're willing to share and how you're willing to create that vulnerable space. Um, that then allows your team to feel like they're able to do that as well. And then there's like tangible things that, that we would do um, in order to continue to create that space. Um, and it starts with, you know, in my opinion, um, getting to know each individual and the strengths that they're bringing to the table and what their goals are, what they're hoping to achieve you know, within the company, outside of the company, and then giving them those opportunities to learn and grow <laughs> and stretch themselves. Do you feel like in that situation, so I, I'm 100% with you because I try and do a similar thing when it comes to working with people is understanding them outside of the specific role that a job requires. And I also find myself that, that maybe this is just a personal thing that I've developed so as much as I want to help that person grow in that role, I also find myself trying to help them grow outside of it. So like if they want to be uh, an author or podcast host or a speaker or whatever it is, I try and find other ways outside of that specific job title to help them in that. Do you find yourself in similar positions as well? Yeah. Like I feel like actually one of the first times we connected, we like talked about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, listen, like we're humans, like, yes, right. we are employees. Yes, we are doing a job, but we all have, um, we're human, right? Like we have other things outside of work that lift us up. So a, a tangible thing that I always did as a leader was the first time a new person joined my team, mm -hmm. I'd schedule an hour one-on-one -on -one with them. And we wouldn't talk about the job. Like I would want to, I wanted to get to know them as mm -hmm a person and understand, you know, what were their, you know, what were the things that they did outside of work? What were those things that lit them up? Like what was their, their passions and their dreams? And in doing so, you know, I got to understand them and their working style and like what they were hoping to achieve outside of, of the four walls of Google or the virtual walls of Google right now. Mm -hmm. And, and be able to like connect them. And, you know, the, the nice thing about working at a company like Google is that you have so many resources at your fingertips. So, you know, even if someone was like, you know, my dream is to be a TEDx speaker, mm -hmm. you know, there were opportunities that I could, um, you know, give them within Google that would help them on those steps to then, um, you know, become a speaker or, or have those conversations and then also like leveraging my network to make connections for them. So mm -hmm. 100%. What would you say is the difference between leading yourself now and being the or being in organization like Google where you had other people to bounce ideas off of? And it's not to say that you don't now because I'm sure that you do. Well, I'm assuming that you do when it comes to just that concept of a network. But now that you're on your own, what is that difference in the leadership style, so to speak. Yeah, I knew this was going to be a big change for me. So I thought about, you know, I had some time, I had made the decision to leave Google. And then I gave the company plenty of time since we were in 2021 planning yeah. and annual performance reviews and like all of the things. And so I had a lot of time to think about sort of, you know, what would it what would I need to be successful as I took this big leap in, in leaving corporate America and a job that I had known for the last 13 and a half years, a company that I had known. I mean, for 
for all intents and purposes, Google was like part of my family. Um, okay. As weird as that sounds, but you know, and so for me, it I knew that I was going to miss like the sounding board aspect of of work, and so I found communities, I found masterminds, I found groups of individuals that I knew I could use as sounding boards that I could use from an accountability standpoint. Um, and that has been hugely, hugely helpful for me. And, you know, I think the biggest difference in terms of leading a team at Google and then leading myself is, you know, frankly, because I was someone who was so invested in my people, mm-hmm. I carried a lot of the emotional burden of um, my team. I had really hard time with boundaries. I still do. Um, and so there is this like uh, like fresh of re- like breath air of like the only emotional burden I need to carry now is mine. Mm-hmm. Which frankly is actually, I think, worse in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, like <laughs> your own... Um, you know, worst critic in, in a lot of ways, but um, that has been a huge, a huge difference too, of that shifting around thinking about my team first, and then, you know, how do I then shift that to like myself and what does that mean for me and my next step and how do I sort of achieve that? Does the accountability change? So when I'm assuming that when you work, well, not even assuming just from experience, when you work with an organization, my experience has taught me is that yes, I hold myself accountable, but there are also other people that hold yourself accountable to certain things. Now that you're on your own, how do you do that? Yeah, I found people that would hold me accountable. So I have like a group of women that I am like, hey, this is these are my goals for the week. Like someone check in with me on Thursday to make sure I did it. Wow. And so and I knew, like, I was fortunate enough that I, like, had this self-recognition that I knew that I would need that. I think if I didn't know that I would need that, I would be very much, like, in, in a spiral of, like, what do I do? Like, how do I hold myself <laughs> I tried with my husband. Like, I've tried to have him hold me accountable, oh, yeah. and it does not work. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Is it because there's it's too close of a connection? Because I found I, the same exact thing, like, with my friends – where I would develop these accountability groups and then you just, you know, like it lasts 24 hours. And after that, we go back to the way it was. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's too close. I also don't think Greg like gets it. Like, I think he's just like, you want me to do what? Like, just eat the chips. <laughs> like, if it makes sense, I'm like, no, I don't want, like, I want the chips, but I don't want the chips. Um, so yeah, it, it, it just, for the sake of our relationship, um, I realized early on that that was not going to work. What would you say is a challenge of being a leader? I think of the challenge of being a leader is finding that balance between um, what you're bringing to the table and what other people are bringing to the table. So when I first became, you know, quote unquote, a manager at Google, I had done the job of my team. And so... I had a really hard time um, in the beginning recognizing where I needed to step back and be um, a coach versus being directive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the first team that I managed, I'm sure the well, I know the feedback that they had from me versus like the team that I just left was vastly different, right? Like it, it, I had to grow into that and learn. And I think that's just the natural evolution of, of growing in your role and growing as a leader and also recognizing that um, every individual on the team is bringing something to the table. And, you know, I had plenty of people on my team that were significantly better than me in certain things. Um, For example, like at Google, there's a lot of operational rigor, you know, as you can imagine, there's a lot of data in terms of like, who we're meeting with and like the goals that they have and the goals that we Mm -hmm. have for them. And like, that's just like, I can do it. I can do the operational rigor, but I don't like it. It's an energy drain for me, but I had someone on my team who loved it. I was like, awesome. You manage that. It gives them an opportunity to actually up level and learn those skills. And that frankly, you need to be a leader at Google. Um, And it allows me then to focus on, you know, my energy on things that 
like I'm uniquely good at, which is like creating the vision for the team, creating the, the culture, creating like the shared vision and having everyone sort of like move together towards um, a common goal. And so um, like that's a small example, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I had to, like, I had to learn that lesson for sure. Mm-hmm. And I definitely didn't do that you know, the first few months, probably even year that I was a manager at Google, but, um, you know, over time. And like I said earlier, Google, Googlers are very good at giving feedback. (laughs) Um, it is a gift and whether you want it or not. And, um, yeah. So I, does that help answer your question? It does. It also makes me think of, I think, like for me, it's been a very interesting journey in understanding the role as a leader while also, helping other people or especially aspiring leaders to be in that role and like giving up that control of certain roles and positions and tasks and just under I don't know what, how do you even describe it? I think that it's just more so like a deep belief in the individual that even if they mess up, it's okay because mistakes are bound to happen. You know, I've made plenty of that, plenty of them as I'm sure you have. Uh, I've made so many that I've lost count. And I, I think that's just part of the journey. I will also say that leadership and influence, it carries an interesting role because not only is that role put under the magnifying glass and everything is seen you know, to the outside world when the reality of the matter is, in my opinion, we all make mistakes. It just happens to be so that some have um, the ability to influence a, a greater mass of people, which maybe carries with it a different responsibility. So there's two things I want to call out in what you just said. So yeah. the, f- the first is, um, you're right, we're all human and we all make mistakes. And I think for me, another lesson I had to learn as a leader is like owning that mistake, right? Mm-hmm. Like being, I had at Google a, um, a piece of paper with like phrases that I felt like good leader said and on like I think it was like first or second was like I'm sorry that was my fault and oh, wow. owning that right owning that mistake and being like I screwed up I'm sorry and here you know like and there's one of two things you can say like and here's what we're going to do or what does everyone else think? Like, you know, this is, this is now what we've learned, like where, and invite people into that conversation, invite your team into that conversation. Um, and you know, that was, again, that was a lesson that I had to learn. I like for sure screwed up many times and tried to, you know, just, just push it forward. And until I, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like one conversation, but I think I was reading the, um, Brene Brown dare to lead book. Mm-hmm. And there was just something in there. I was like, oh yeah, like, like, of course, like I would want someone to apologize to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why wouldn't, why wouldn't I just admit, admit that I was wrong to my team. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I just want to call out that piece. The other mm-hmm. piece I want to call about based on what you just said, and this was also a lesson that I really had to learn was when you do step into quote unquote, a leadership position, meaning that like you're managing people, you are setting the direction, you are creating a vision and letting other people sort of in a shared goal and letting people move towards that goal together as one. I didn't realize like the weight of my words. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was, hard for me because I tend to be a really transparent leader and I try to make sure that I was always sharing as much as I could with the team because that was what I liked when I, you know, when I thought about, um, the different managers I had and I was in the sales org at Google. And so there were two types of leaders. There was like really good salespeople who are managers. And then there were really good like people managers, but very rarely did you find somebody who was like good at both. And I really strove to be that person who was like a leader who was good at both of those things. And, um, and so I share that because I just think that, you know, there are things that you cannot tell your team as a leader sometimes Mm -hmm. and that's really hard but what i learned was you know being as transparent as i can be um making sure that i was giving you know feedback that i heard from others in a timely fashion um 
asking people how they preferred to hear feedback, right? Like those things that are just uniquely human skills. So like, I, I believe that our superpowers as humans is our ability to connect and have empathy. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true as a leader too, right? You were like, if you can embrace those two things, like to me, that is authentic leadership. That is that is like skills that you can learn because you are innately then curious about the person in front of you and mm-hmm. able to um, help them sort of get to the next level. Where do you connect to others from, if that makes any sense? Tell me more about your question. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do, do you connect more from the heart, shared experience? education, background, ethnicity, like what, what's the first thing that you personally go to in connecting with other people? I think it's first, like to me, you create the connection by asking questions, right? You can't, you can't get into a conversation with somebody. I mean, you can, but it's yeah. like an awkward one-sided conversation. <laughs> yeah. And Been there so, and done that. <laughs> we all have, let's be honest. And so it is, I think to me, it's about again, I go back to, it's about truly understanding who that person is. Like what makes them tick? What are the, what are the skills that they're bringing to the table? What are, what uniquely about them is going to be able to drive that experience? Um, you know, we, we did this thing on my team called inclusion moments, which was, um, once a month and I had someone on my team actually lead these, but once a month we would, um, talk about a topic that, you know, might be, um, I don't want to say controversial because it wasn't controversial, but it's just like something that you didn't typically talk about. Um, And so, um, and we, in order to get to that point, right, in order to get to a point where we could do that as a team, we had to set um, rules and we had to set like boundaries and we had to set norms in terms of, to use like a corporate term mm-hmm. to, so that we all knew like what we were bringing to the table and what, um, what were the guidelines of our conversation. And, you know, there were times where I, as a leader screwed up, like one of the first times we had this conversation, I didn't say, um, that, listen, like my expectation is, is that not that everyone participates. Like I cannot sit, sit there as a leader and tell everyone to like have a say in this conversation. Um, and I, it, but my hope is that even if you're not comfortable chiming in, that you're listening and learning, right. you know, you're not like on your phone texting. And so like, that was my expectation, but I didn't set that expectation. And so the first few times we had these conversations, like it didn't go well. And I had to, you know, regroup and be like, oh, shoot, like, if I want to create this sort of environment where we can as a team feel safe and have conversations around things that, you know, might make other some people on the team uncomfortable, then we need to we need to set some ground rules and everyone needs to like agree to those and feel like they're being seen and heard because that's mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah all of us want it doesn't matter like if we're in a job or if we're you know on the street like we all want to be seen and heard and so creating that space is really important to do that as a leader now where do you find yourself falling short oh my gosh like do you have enough time (laughs) Um, i I believe that we can always grow as humans (laughs) so so i think that you know i was really really fortunate in that when I was leaving Google, I got like such beautiful notes and kind, kind notes from, you know, my current team, but people that I had, you know, worked with, with years, years and years ago. Um, and it was really interesting to me because people were like, you're, you're such like a, an authentic leader. Thank you for always like leaning into vulnerability. Thank you for like allowing us to create that space. And in a lot of ways I was like, huh, Like, I didn't realize I did that. Like, I knew I was doing it, but I didn't realize I was doing it. But I think, you know, where I fall short as a leader, like, my tendency is still to to be directive. Like, my tendency is to to want to, um, and it's the same thing as parenting, right? (laughs) Like, like my tendency is still to want to, like, do it for them versus allowing them to, um, 
to learn it themselves. Like I always say that, you know, my job as a leader in terms of setting the strategy for my team was to say, mm-hmm. we're here, like we're going on a road trip or actually like and not even going on a road trip. Like our job in 2021 is to, you know, get to, um, if we're in San Francisco is to get to San Diego. However you decide to get there is up to you. Like I'm providing sort of like the vision and the goal and the, the end goal. If you want to take a train, if you want to take a plane, if you want to take a train and a plane and bike, like that's your decision. And I'm here to support you and coach you and, you know, provide the guardrails of, you know, what that looks like, but I am not going to sit there and tell you like, you all need to take a train because that doesn't work for everybody. Um, and you know, I think that while that was my goal, I still sometimes fell short of being like, well, like the train's easier, like take the yeah. train. Um, and so that is just something that I know is one of my defaults and I just need to always be aware of it and um, be cognizant of when am I in directive mode versus when I'm in coaching mode. And sometimes people need directive mode, right? And so mm-hmm. just simply asking the question of, okay, like you brought me this problem, like what do you need from me right now? Do you want a problem solved? Do you want me to just listen? Do you want me to like give you my opinion? And just like giving them that option of telling me what they need was an easier way for me to like catch myself versus just going to problem solving mode versus like pausing and being like, okay, like what, what is, what do you need from me right now? Mm-hmm. I know that for me, that's been an ongoing journey, like giving up the control you know, wanting to control the outcome in the same exact way, like San Francisco to San Diego, like, you know, instead of going this way, there were times throughout my journey where I would say, well, why would you not take the other one? You know, like this was clearly the faster route, but it also just made me realize that not everyone sees the world that you do with the same way that you do to some people based on their own lived experience, taking the train, the plane, the bike, and an Uber is a faster route than taking one mode of transportation to go all the way down. And then coming to that realization that saying, okay, why am I, I guess the question I started to ask myself is why am I trying to control the outcome and why is that important to me? And it was through that journey. I started to almost like not necessarily lose the control, but the control started to transform into something else. And I was no longer in the same exact space of, wanting the person to pick um the right answer the one that i was thinking but more so just creating a space for them and have them explore and have them their own, make their own decisions i think that's that's kind of a beautiful part about decision making especially from a quote-unquote leadership role is just giving the space for the person to decide on their own and then creating that opportunity for them to find whatever it is that they're looking for through lived experience that's exactly it, right? Because that person who took five different modes of transportation, maybe they weren't quote unquote the fastest, but I bet the, their experiences on that journey are going to teach us all something different than what we would have been bringing to the party if we forced every single person to do it our yeah. way. And so it's it's that, um, and that mentality for me has been helpful in parenting. It's been helpful in like management. It's been helpful in just life. Um, even like thinking about friends and, and their experiences and just being like, like, why are you like, and then I just have to remind myself, like, (laughs) you know, like it's their journey. And, um, unless they're asking me specifically for my feedback or, you know, what to do next, like I'm going to let them, um, figure it out because there's something in there that I'm sure that they'll learn that then they'll teach me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. I think just looking at someone's journey who took the five modes compared to one, there's always something to learn. And I think if anything that I value more, and I'll be curious to hear from you, like what do you value when it comes to it? It's the ability to listen to another person's perspective and ultimately hope that it will shift or it may shift my perspective when it comes to that. Like I'm a huge believer that there's a lesson behind every experience. Just like you said, however you get there, that's not the point. It's more so like, what did you learn along the way? 
and what did it help you see differently that you haven't seen before? I mean, I think that's exactly it, right? And that's why I love, you know, that this platform you're creating is called Own Your Story because ultimately we all have stories, right? Mm -hmm. And I really, I truly believe that um, in order to have empathy, you know, like we're not all going to, all of our stories are uniquely our own. We're never mm -hmm. going to like know exactly what it feels like to live in your story, but through being curious, through asking questions, through, you know, using the power of story to create connection, mm -hmm. um, that is how you breed empathy. And, you know, I truly believe not only for, you know, leadership, but like just the world, <laughs> like we all need a little bit more empathy right now. And so it's, it's with those skills and that in the back of my head, that's how I sort of think about, you know, all of my positions from a leadership perspective, whether that's, you know, myself, my family, you know, <laughs> and my job. Mm -hmm. David brought up a very interesting point here. He says, love the conversation around curious mindset and active listening to seek understanding, not to just respond. So I have found myself hundreds of times before where I was just there to respond. And I think that was one of the biggest differences that I had made in my life was choosing to, choosing to listen to understand compared to listening to respond. You know, when I was listening to Respond, I already had a full-blown New York Times bestseller in my head just ready to vomit onto you. And it didn't even matter what you would say. As long as there was one trigger word that could kind of set the chain of all the sentences I had in my head. And then I realized that the difference was now choosing to actually listen to understand. And I think part of that, it changed, like it changed my conversation. I don't know if it changed your conversation as well and how you show up in it. I found myself that I was no longer looking for the right time to interject and, and share my thoughts. And I've also, I found that I developed a different relationship with awkward silence. Like there were times when I, you know, I, I viewed certain things as like, okay, this is awkward silence. I have to interject, I have to insert something. But I realized that there's so much power in silence. And I can't say that I would have learned that lesson if I didn't choose to actively listen to understand the other person. So active listening is is a, such an important skill in life, like regardless. And I, I my background is in sales, right? And so I often say that a lot of what I learned from a sales perspective and the type of selling that I, I don't want to say I learned because there was, I've seen the evolution of Google sales. Like we, it, it's been a, Roller coaster. Mm -hmm. um, but the type of sales that I gravitate to is is relationship based, um, with a little bit of challenging in there. But, <laughs> but I say that because I can only do the challenging because I have built those relationships and I do it based on being curious in the act of listening. And active listening is a really hard skill because so many of us, myself included, like when people tell me to like practice mindfulness, I'm like ha 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 like like i can probably calm my brain for like 30 seconds and then like all of the everything else comes up and so it is it's a hard skill to learn but it's such an important valuable skill because when you are actually engaged and listening and connected to what the other person is saying, like they know that, right? Like there is a tangible difference between you and I having this conversation and like actively listening to each other versus if I was just sitting here and I'm like, okay, like I know the question he's going to ask me next is this. Mm -hmm. So it's like, this is what I'm preparing, right? And I'm going to miss something. Like I wouldn't have been able to, in your last question, you know, like our last part of the conversation, be able to pull mm -hmm. out those different pieces and say like, well, here's how I'd respond. Like it would, it would have taken a hard left. And so, you know, I often say this is like my background in sales coming out. But when I was in one on ones, which is in Google speak, you know, you're having your direct manager to direct mm -hmm. re report meetings and we had them weekly. Um, my job in those meetings, I should be talking like 10 percent of the time or less. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the time should be, you know, the person um, on my team talking or, or the client, like if, if we were in a, a client meeting and 
you know, it's, and that doesn't work in all meetings, right? Like if it's in a meeting where you're presenting a solution or like they need your feedback, that's why, again, asking those questions of like, what do you need from me right now is so mm-hmm. important that you can like, t- you can pivot. But um, one of my favorite things, and like everyone's going to have their own sayings, but like I, when someone's saying something, I'm like, oh, tell me more about that. Or like, <laughs> unpack that for me and Mm -hmm. i just have to keep talking and talking and then and then you're really trying like you're really learning um and going deep and not just like service level because i think our tendency right now in 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 our culture is pretty surface level and like i understand all the reasons for that um but it's when you're able to go those levels deeper right like the onion analogy that's when like to me that's the the true magic and the awkward silence, like that awkward pause, that's like my favorite thing as a salesperson when you're like in a in a meeting and you ask a question, or I did this in my team meetings too. Like mm-hmm. I'd ask I'd pose a question to my team and you can literally see it and it's funny over VC, right? Like we've all lived the last year virtually. Um, you could just see people like pondering it and then like muting, unmuting, muting, unmuting, like trying to go. And I would just sit there and I would just like, wait until so and then like sometimes it took 30 seconds sometimes it took a minute and that was really hard it's like still really hard for me um to not jump in but um it allows people to you know pause also it's important because like all of us have different learning styles right and different ways of digesting information and it gives people that opportunity to you know if it takes them longer to digest it allows them to do so this might be a loaded question, but what do you think makes a good question? Oh, do you want my like technical? <laughs> okay, so there's <laughs> like how deep do I get on this? Um, so there are I, I I call them impact questions. So questions that are um, open ended. Mm-hmm. They typically start with a what or a how, and you're asking you you expect a like actual response typically when all of us are asking questions as humans mm-hmm. we're asking a, a leading question meaning we're asking a question that's going to lead to like a specific answer or a yes or a no agenda yeah right and and those like there's a time and a place for those questions especially in in sales but when you're having a conversation, what I would call like discovery, again, this is like from a sales perspective, but like taking it back to leadership, I feel like you're having those like conversations where you're getting to know each other, like they're getting to know you, you're getting to know your direct report, you know, asking those open-ended impact questions that are going to get them to keep talking, but also think differently. Um are to me the most valuable types of questions you can be asking. Mm-hmm. Jess, what's the best way that people can connect with you? Do you have anything that's coming up? I know that you host a podcast. This is my truth, right? Yes. Yep, yep. So you can find me on my podcast, This Is My Truth, um, which is available on all podcast platforms. You can reach me on my website, which is www.jessiesherleff.com. And I'm also launching in April um, a community for entrepreneurs who are looking to leverage storytelling as a way to, um, as a sales and marketing tool to impact um, their business. That's amazing. And for anyone that's listening, one of the other things that I'll say is we'll include all the different ways that you can connect with Jess. And I'm pretty sure, what would you say is the best way? LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all of the above, none of the above. All of the above. I always forget about LinkedIn. <laughs> and um, and the other thing is I am, I am doing um, for... I am opening my calendar for a select um, few individuals to do some coaching on authentic leadership. Um, And really I'm keeping it to a small number because I really want to be able to dive in with people and understand what their goals are um, and help them set a vision for what um, the next year of leadership looks like for them. That's amazing. For anyone that's listening uh, at the bottom, if you've enjoyed the show or have any comments or any feedback, what I ask of you is if you would consider leaving a review or anything or even connecting with Jess and learning more about her experience. I know that we'll include the different ways to do it. And outside of that, 
I just, I really appreciate you for not only being a part of the show, but just being in my life and having an impact like you do. It's, uh, I can't even put it into words. I, I don't think words wouldn't even do it justice. I think the impact that you've had in the last six months, seven months, I don't know how long it's been. I, it seems like it's been a while, right? Well, the feeling is um, 100% mutual. Like, so thank you. Um, you know, I think that the best things that we can do as leaders is surround ourselves by people who challenge us, who help us think differently, who, you know, have different perspectives and viewpoints. And, um, and you're one of those people for me. So thank you. No, I appreciate that. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content as well as the latest episodes. Also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these courageous and inspiring conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week.